Today's message is titled, Put God First in Your Life. Put God First in Your Life. Amen. Put God First in Your Life. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew 6, 33. This is a popular scripture. Uh, it's a popular scripture, but uh, today I'm going to be adding more context to it. And this is in line with what I've been teaching on purpose. Amen. I've been, we ju- I just finished a five weeks teaching on discovering God's purpose for your life. But now I want to take us further on that journey on, um, on teaching you. Okay, I want to take us further on that journey to teach you how to follow the purpose of God for your life and to fulfill it. So it's one thing to discover, it's it's another thing to follow God's will, I mean, to go in the direction, it's another thing to actually fulfill it, do it the way God wants you to do it. Amen. Um, You know, when I slow down that way, then when I slow down and I say, um, it's because I'm I'm trying to select my words, amen, trying to select them carefully. Uh, as you guys have been, some of you guys have been with me for five, seven, two, three years. You know, I, I, I spit out fire, the fire of the Holy Ghost. So I'm trying to be very nice on a Sunday. Amen. Right. Okay. I'll, slow, I'll, I'll leave that for now. Amen. All right. So this is a popular scripture. Let's read it. Uh, Matthew 6, 33. It reads, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Now, the context of this, the backstory of this, the pretext to this particular verse, Jesus, Jesus was um, encouraging people not to worry, not to full of anxiety. Right. Uh, let me take us to verse 25. It's a long that I was trying to avoid that this morning because uh, of our time. But let's do, the, let's do the good job. So, so, guys, not to forget, Jolomi is teaching next week, right? So, I'm going to do some prep work for Jolomi to come in next week. Uh, so, and also, I'm trying to be cautious, cautious that I don't preach Jolomi's message. I don't know what it is, what she's going to share with you guys. But I, I, can, I think I can pick a few things here and there. So, I'll try to do some background work today. Are you pointing at me, Jolomi? <laughs> Are you warning me? <laughs> so, Matthew 6, let's start from 25. I'm going to read fast a little bit. So, try, uh, guys, try to keep up with my pace. Let's do this. So I'm reading from the New King James Version. It said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more, more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, neither gather into burns, yet your father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of this. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
So there's a, uh, there are two uh, sub matters that we should pick out from these verses of the Bible. Now, Jesus talk, talked about the things that the Gentiles seek. When we talk about the Gentiles, we're referring to the unsaved people, right? And it's referring to you here that you are children of God. So this is applying this verse of the scripture to us as children of God, to uh, believers in our time, right? So it says, the Gentiles seek after those things. What do we eat? What do we wear? Accomplishments, natural things. And it's saying that you should seek for the kingdom of God. Now, when we talk about kingdom here, let me try to make it, let me, let me apply it to the context of what we've been talking about. So we're talking about the rulership of God. We're talking about God being, becoming first in your life. God becoming, what God wants to see happen. You seeking after what God wants to see. You going after what God wants to, uh, what God is going after. You hearing the heart of God, the mind of God to, to bring to earth what God wants to do to bless humanity. Now, don't forget from, from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, we read in the previous weeks that now God wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Let's put that as our primary purpose, we, like we have said over and over. Our primary purpose is to do the will of the Father, that men will be saved. See, God is into people's business. He sent Jesus to die for us. He sent Jesus to die for us so that our sins can be forgiven, so that we can be reconciled back to him. So God is all about you, about you being blessed, about humanity being blessed, about showing his love to humanity. And there's no how he can do that without you. So God needs you to carry out his agenda, his plan of uh, reconciliation, as 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, his ministry of reconciliation. You know, Jesus also said that, you know, he asked us in the book of Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, that we should go into the world and make disciples of men. So many, 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 so many scriptures point back to God wanting to bless humanity, show his kindness to humanity. And all of this he wants to do through you. He said that to you directly in his word. Jesus has also communicated this to you and I. Amen. So when we talk about seeking the kingdom of God, seeking for the kingdom of God, it is seeking the heart of God, seeking the will of God. What does God want to do in your life? What does God want to do in your community? How does he want to show his kindness, his unconditional love and grace to the people in your community? How does he want to drive out wickedness in your society, in your community, through you and through other believers? What does God want? How does he, what channels does he want created to help a dying child, a child who is, who is self-harming, who is, who is about to commit suicide? You know, what, what, what plan, what, what does God want to do to help a home where the, the husband is abusing the wife, where the, where, where the parents are molesting the kids, all kind of evil going on in the world out there? Now, how, how does God want to step into the situation through you to help these people, to show his kindness. Friends, I know we have a lot of prayer ministry, and I believe so much in prayer. God told me a long time ago, he, said, I should, he told me not to joke with prayer because my life depends on it. So prayer is vital. Prayer is, is crucial. Prayer is fundamental to the growth, to the success, to the, to the effectiveness of your spiritual life. But prayer will not do what God wants. 
I'll rephrase it. Prayer will not carry out the activity of showing the God's goodness and kindness in the life of other people. So what I'm trying to say is this. Some people want to stay in the room. They want to stay in their home. They want to stay in the church building and pray, lead prayer meetings. I don't think many of us are as prayerful as Jesus because the Bible tells us times when Jesus prayed all night. Even to select his disciples, he prayed all night. So, how many of us have prayed all night to select leadership in our church? So, I don't think many of us are as prayerful as Jesus. Yet, Jesus was on the field. Amen? Jesus was on the field. You know, there was a time they were trying to, um, they were, the, the, the Bible says they, they, they were trying to force him, to forcefully take him as king. You know, it, it, it detached themselves from that, that area, uh, John, around John chapter 6, and it went to another, another area preaching the gospel. Jesus was going to t- from towns to towns, going to the synagogue to teach, to preach, to heal. He was a prayerful guy. He was very, very prayerful. Jesus, our Lord, is very prayerful. At the same time, he was on the field. Now, when Jesus commissioned us to raise disciples, he did not ask us to stay in, uh, in, in, in the upper room. In the upper chambers, I'm trying to remember or come up with words of, you know, of, 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 of <laughs> super spiritual Christians, you know, uh, in the, oh, Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus, remind me of this thing. Uh, oh, da, 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 I'm trying to remember. There's a secret place. Uh, people, I was speaking to someone one day, and they were talking to me about, yeah, God is saying to me that I should stay in this place. I can't remember the slang, the, the, the word they use. Yes, you need to stay there. That's the, the secret place. But there's another word, the kind of fancy word they were using, and they use it as an effect. And I was like, hmm, 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 hmm. No, God doesn't want you to stay in that place. He wants you to pray and to be a prayerful person, but he also wants you on the field. Because uh, angels are not commissioned to carry out, the, to, to preach the gospel, to transform lives, to change lives. Angels are not called to raise disciples. You and I have been commissioned, like Jolomi was teaching us today, that he has chosen us to go out there and raise disciples, be world changers. Amen. Praise the Lord. There are some things I'm very tempted to say, but I, I just don't want to say them this morning because I offend people. So let me, I'm still trying to put myself together. If you are sensitive, you pick it up. There's things in my heart I want to share, but probably not, this is not the best place. Amen. Right, so I'm trying to stay to the script of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So let's carry on. <laughs> so Jesus here, so the two texts we are looking at, the two subject matters we are looking at in Matthew 6, 33 is what you want, the cares of the world, what you want to eat, what you want to wear, how you want to look, the Gucci you want to wear, the Louis Vuitton you want to wear, the Rolls Royce you want to drive, the mansion you want to build. Amen. So that's one. And the second part is what God actually wants happened in people's lives. Friends, to help us a little bit in the Christian, in the, in Christian circles, unfortunately, particularly in Africa, and maybe some part of the States, we were raised to see the gospel as a means to one hand. We were trained or we've been indoctrinated to see Christianity as a means to one hand. When I say a means to one hand, what I mean is this. We've seen Christianity as a channel, as a platform to get something from God. To get something from God to, to, to meet our needs. But what we are not thinking about is, is what we are not thinking is how do unbelievers get those things that you are praying to God to get without sweating? 
Many unbelievers don't believe in God. Many unbelievers, though they may believe there's something, there's something somewhere, there's a superpower somewhere, but they believe so much in their efforts, in diligence, and they are getting the things that you are praying and fasting about. Shouldn't that bother us? And it's one of the reasons why I believe many people, after receiving their breakthrough, they lose commitment to God. You won't see them in church on Sunday anymore. They won't come for prayer meeting. They won't come for fellowship. And people blame it on prosperity. No, prosperity is not the problem. The reason why the poor person came into church in the first place is the problem. And that is why you will hardly hear me in Transformers Church invite people to come here for healing, for breakthrough, or for those things that unbelievers can get. Because when people have gotten those things, they don't see any more need for them to be committed to God. So that challenges you and I to go back to the basic, to understand what the gospel really is. What is the gospel? Because one of the reasons why many churches that are preaching the true gospel are not filled to the brim is because many other people have been indoctrinated to think Christianity is a means to one hand. Is a way you get something from God. Is a way you get your healing. Now, I'm not saying that healing is not part of, uh, it's not a package, or one of the packages of um, our redemption. Jesus, sin, uh, sorry, sickness and diseases are results of sin in the world. And Jesus came to die for us and to break the power of the devil over our lives. So that sickness and diseases can lose control over our lives. So that they can be, they can be strangers. They can be um, trespassers. Which you have right to kick out of your property, your body. The Bible says your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, when believers have been indoctrinated to see the gospel as, some, as a means to an end, then when they get these things they are no longer committed to the Father. And some people we can tell now why they are going to church. And how one of the ways we can tell why they are going to church is by listening to their prayer point and how they respond to some sacrificial offering, some receiving a mantle or an handkerchief to wave somewhere or to rub, it, or to rub off on the building so that they can win a contract. All those things are just manipulative wickedness. That's my own word, manipulative wickedness. Amen. So I was saying earlier on that one of the reasons why churches that preach the true gospel are not filled is, are not filled is because people have been indoctrinated to seek their want, what they want to get, what they want, human desires. I would say that this breaks the heart of God. You may be asking, oh, do you know the heart of God? As a human being, understanding the mind and the heart of God to this extent, to this degree, I mean, to the degree with, to, to which I understand it, and seeing what's really happening in Christian circles, to me, it's very disturbing. How much more God? You might say, you know, it's not your place, but I'm saying I, I don't think God is happy about the gullibility of many Christians today, the frequentness of many Christians today, and the manipulation, the oppression, how people are trashing the work of Christ, the pain it went through, so that you and I can be saved. Amen. So, 
I haven't distinguished between the cares of the world, what the world wants, and the kingdom of God, and trying to explain it a little bit, that the kingdom of God, seeking the kingdom of God, is seeking the will of, of the Father. So the question is, in, fulfilling God's, in following God's plan and purpose for your life, now if you, let's start with you, if you have everything you need in the world, all your all needs met, mortgage paid off, living in a choice home, your dream home in a sense, you know, you don't need to work for money. You, you, all you need is to walk to a cash machine and take the money out. And, uh, um, you know, no problem, no problem at all. Please listen to me carefully. What I'm talking about here is very, I mean, something that I need your attention, your full attention. Please pay careful attention to what I'm saying. And I want you to ask yourself this question. I'm about to start my message. I want you to ask yourself this question. If all your needs were met, and you don't have to work again your life. I mean, work a nine-to-five job. Or maybe you have an inheritance. Say all your needs are met. And for the rest of your life, you can have as much as you want. Will you still go to church? Will you still be serving God? And finally, what would you be doing with your time? So, Imagine the question I've just played out to you guys. I've just asked you guys. So imagine it tomorrow morning. Say tonight something happened. All your needs are met. You don't have to work again for the rest of your life. Maybe a billion dollars was deposited in your account. And you can't finish. You can't, you can't spend it. You can't spend up all the money. Right? And Monday comes. You're starting a new day, a new life on Monday. What would you do with your time? Will you come for prayer meeting on Tuesday? Will you attend Transformers Connect on Wednesday? Will you be in church next week Sunday? What would your love and affection for the believers be like? And what kind of friends will you start keeping? Now, it's, whatever answer you give, it's easier to give the answer now than when you are actually in it. You know, one guy was talking to me and uh, we're talking about, and we, we're talking about, you know, what if you are given 10 million? And the guy kept saying to me that, Tony, I know you. 10 million, you will be so surprised. You will not be able to conduct yourself. I felt a bit disappointed. Like, wait, you're saying if I have 10 million, if I was given 10 million pounds, I will misbehave. I'm thinking 10 million pounds. Do you know how much, I'm going somewhere, listen carefully to this. Do you know how much it takes to buy a 50-acre facility to build a church and some facility to help to transform a community? The 10 million is gone. To buy the land alone, depends on where I get it from, 4 million pounds is gone. To start putting the structure together, friends, I'm going to need more money. So if you give me 20 million, I'm going to blow it. 30 million, I'm going to blow it. Because I know what I'm going to use that money for in terms of transformation in terms of what God is showing me to do now. What way is leading me? 30 million pounds is not enough for me. No, 30 million pounds, I'm like, thank you. This is deposit to start the project. Amen. So if you have all the money, everything you need in life, will you, will you still be sane? What kind of friends will you be keeping? Now watch this. Where I'm going is this. Now, if you cut yourself 
thinking you are going to misbehave or fearful you are going to misbehave, it's a clear indication that you have not been seeking the kingdom of God first. It's a clear indication that at the core of your heart, you've not been putting God first. Now, you may render lip service to putting God first, but at the core of the core, right, where your heart yields to, because some of you automatically probably see so Gucci, ah, that Fender you're going to buy, that um, Balenciaga you're going to buy. Don't forget my warning. You don't wear Balenciaga into my house because the cameras will catch you from afar and they will not allow you in. I'm joking. But yeah, Balenciaga, don't wear into my house. That's fine. Right. So whatever your heart, the direction, whatever direction it goes to shows where your heart really is. Now, let me tie all of this back to purpose that I've been teaching the past five weeks. See, you know, I wrapped up last week encouraging you that you can hear the voice of God. You can know God's will for your life. God wants to speak to you. You have access to the mind of God. Watch this. Now, if you are not accustomed to seeking the will of God, and giving yourself to it, you cannot know God's purpose for your life. That's where I'm going. If you are not accustomed to seeking God first, thinking about God, thinking about how can I represent God in this area. Don't forget our strategy as a church is to reach and reach represent. We are doing all our best to reach more people. Yesterday I spent about eight hours editing and videos and trying to get a lot of our messages and stuff out on social media. I was taking a training last night, this morning. I didn't know how much work I did until I woke up this morning. I was exhausted when I woke up this morning. When I leave, when I leave here, I'm going to back on it. Uh, next week, Saturday, we should start up evangelism. A lot of groundwork going on behind the scenes for all of this. Mark, and there's so much going on. right? So when you see some of the pictures and videos that I share on, on my WhatsApp timeline, uh, they may look funny. Maybe I'm trying to you know, just kind of lighten up a little bit, but the hard work going on behind the scenes. Amen. Where did I stop? Where did I stop? <laughs> I miss my. So now I was talking about the fact that you know, if you are given to, if we are not thinking about how God can, or asking, or make it your default thought, but how can I represent God here? How can I demonstrate the kindness of God here? If that's not your lifestyle, right? You cannot know God's purpose for your life. You know why? You are seeking your own will. Let's turn our Bibles to John chapter 5, verse 30. John 5, 30. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, I can of myself do nothing as I hear I judge. My judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Let me connect it for you guys. Now, if you don't seek the will of God, seek the kingdom of God, if you don't learn to put God first, you can't seek anything else other than your own will. So it's either you're seeking the will of God or seeking your own will. So let me start jumping ahead of myself a little bit here. Now, there's something else that I've also noticed among many Christians. And a few people I'm, I'm, I'm praying, asking God if he, want, if he wants me to 
reach out to these people and help them because I can see they are going in a direction that's not going to be help, helpful. It's not going to help them in the future. So what some of those guys are doing is this. They are doing something for God, but not according to God's way. They are not doing it for him. They are doing something for God, but not for him. So in their mind, we are doing ministry. We are blessing lives. We are doing this for God. But at the core of the core of their heart, you know, when the Bible says from the, uh, out of the abundance of their heart, the mouth speaks. And I've, I've trained you guys, and I'll also remind you again. I don't go by what, all the time, I don't go by what people tell me in consciously. I go by what they say unconsciously when they get down. So I will go into conversations with people and waiting for those moments when they switch off their conscious thoughts and they speak from their heart. That's where I get to really know what is in the heart of people. Unfortunately, not many people actually really know what is in their heart. Unfortunately. Because when you are so driven by selfish ambition, you lose sight of the condition of your heart. And that is why I check my actions, I check my heart, I check both of them. I don't only go by what I think my heart is. Oh, my, his heart is good and his heart is in the right place. No. If a man keeps lusting after women and in his own mind he thinks he doesn't have a lust problem, but we can see his eyes rolling down the body of women, but in his own mind, his conscious mind, he doesn't have a lust problem. So who, <laughs> who is wrong? Who is right? Unconsciously, you, 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 you lost after the body of women. There's a look you give them. When you see them, there's a tone of, your tone of voice change. You, you, know, you are seductive a little bit in your kind of, a, you're flirtatious in the way you speak to them. But when you are conscious of yourself, you say you don't do that. So if you would do the right thing, which many people don't know, is to check your actions to say, why, what is the cause of this action? Why am I being flirtatious with people, with women? And check your heart and start praying, speaking in tongues, studying the word of God, and let God open your eyes to see the problem of your heart, one of which may be a desire for acceptance from women. Amen. So many people, taking it back to Christians now, many people in their conscious thoughts, Conscious thoughts, they are serving God. They are doing the will of God. But, <laughs> but when, we, when I hear them, one of the things I hear is they are trying to build their own empire. They are trying to impress someone else. They are trying to get attention. They are trying to get people, they are trying to become a celebrity in a sense. You know, they are trying to fit in among their peers. I hear all manner of wrong motives. There are women who would, who, would, who would tell their husband that God is calling them to a pastor, whereas they have their own motive and intention because they want to be a momijio. When I say momijio, they want to be the wife of a pastor. They want the respect of the members of the church so much, or, or, or respect of Christians so much that they begin to prophesy that God is calling their husband to preach or to be a pastor. And if the man is not spiritually minded, if, if by chance... The woman happens to be the most spiritual woman in the home and the husband respects the anointing of the wife and then the wife has an ungodly motive and ambition. It can lead the man to do what he's not meant to do. 
What a, what, what a pity for, what is pity or a sad thing for the man. And the same thing works the other way too. Not just the woman leading the man astray. The man too can lead the woman astray because he has an ungodly motive. Now, what they are trying to do on the surface, on the surface is it a good thing? Yes, because if they start a church, people are going to come in. Thank you, Holy Spirit. People are going to come in. People are going to be blessed. They pray for people. People find a church home in a sense. But what is the foundation of that church? Someone wants to make a name. Someone wants to show off. And the Lord just impressed something in my heart this, right now. That's why I said thank you, Jesus. Showed me how many churches today, the foundation of such churches is people seeking their own will, not the will of the Father. Amen. So, Jesus said, my judgment is right. How I deal with situations is right. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Amen. But the will of him who sent me. A few questions I want to quickly ask, because I, I have this noted down before I came to church this morning. Then we're going to Psalm 37, verse 4. We start looking at, so how do I get my desires right? How do I get my desires right? So I've been pointing us in that direction by talking about, you know, seeking the will of God first. But I'm going to part, uh, put all of this together very shortly. So talking about purpose, just to encourage you further and to inspire you to want to give your life to doing the will of God. One question you should ask yourself from time to time is this. Who is going to miss me when I am gone? Who is going to miss me when I am gone? I understand that the world is making life so trivial that people are no longer living for things or living for a purpose that will span generation. You know, we live in a kind of a miracle microwave, microwave your miracle dispensation. It's about now, now. It's about how I look. It's about how many followers I can get. It's about the recognition. It's about the labels that I wear. It's about how my cliques, my group, my friends like me. It's about how many friends I have. So these things are lightening the heart of people. And people, many people, including Christians, are either not giving themselves to things that will last generations or they are giving them, themselves to things that will suit them. So God is coming out of a picture gradually. No wonder the Bible says in the last days people will become lovers of themselves. So who is going to miss you? So if the people that are going to miss you are the people you went out with and get drunk, you have a big problem. If the people that will miss you are the people you went to, you went to raving with, you have a massive problem. If the people that will miss you are the people in your clique where you share dirty and ungodly things, you have a massive problem. I, so to show you that's a massive problem, so when you are gone, what are they going to miss you for? What are they going to miss you for? Are they going to miss you for the, for the moment you, you, you spent together, you were drunk, you went on a holiday, you guys travel around the world and you guys do crazy and stupid things? Is that what they're going to miss you for? Or are they going to miss you for that girl spoke the life of God into my life? That guy spoke the life of God into my life. Anytime I'm in problem, that's the person I went to and they always took me back to the Father. But let me make a clear distinction here. That's most of the time is not possible 
if you if they are your intimate friends, if ungodly people and ungodly Christians are your intimate friends, and you take your feeding and your influence from them, you can't influence them possibly to that extent. So there must be a level of distance between you and them that they respect you in your own space. So when they respect you in your own space and they know you that you are marked for God and you have given yourself to doing the will of God and you put God first in everything you do, they will not be your closest friend, but they will come around from time to time, hopefully, to learn and to seek help and to get to what you have, which is the life of God. Amen. So who is going to miss you when you are gone? And what are they going to miss you for? God, I, was gonna, I was about to say, God forbid. But if the Lord Jesus should return today and you're standing in front of Jesus, what would you say you have done with your life? Or what would you say you have in the pipeline to do for the kingdom of God? Whether we like it or not, this world will come to an end. This current existence will come to an end. Amen. What would you say you lived for or what is in the pipeline? So what difference have you made in anybody's life? One, how many life, lives have you touched for God, not for yourself? We have many blessed human beings in the world today, I mean, in the secular uh, setting, ungodly, stuck ungodly celebrities, demonic celebrities. And they've touched many lives because they have ruined many lives. They deceive many of our girls. Many of our girls have become so seductive and lustful, including one guy who is in the news recently. Who is, um, some people are speaking in, his, in favor of him, that he was arrested um, for something he was innocent about. I just hope I don't find a Christian say something pleasant or try to defend him. I'm just hoping. Whether he's innocent or not. But when a, when a guy speaks condescendingly of women, and some dirty and unfeudal things that this guy talk about. So it, it's one of the reasons why I just don't go by what I hear in the news because it just you can't really know the truth from mainstream news, mainstream media. Amen. So what difference have you, are you making in people's lives? Are you leading people down the ditch of destruction or are you leading people up? Friends, if you want to lead people up to God, to become who God has called them to be, if you want to live a meaningful life, it's going, to it's going to be demanding. It's going to demand your time, your effort. Amen. You know, it's one of those services that I'm kind of calm as I'm communicating it because it's a heart-to-heart thing. <clears throat> this is a heart-to-heart conversation. So if you're not in church today, you are blessed. Maybe you get it. Because if you're scrolling past, this is not a message that will get you pumped up. It's one that will get you to think. Amen. What difference have you made in anybody's life? What one difference? Who are the people you are called to? You are called to people whether you like it or not. As a pastor, I'm called to train, to raise and train you guys to do the work of ministry. What are you doing with what you are learning and the changes, the transformation you're finding in your life? Now, when you take what you learn and do something with it, it's a way of putting God first. Amen. It's a way of putting God first. Some people are afraid of failure. If I do it, I may fail. I may not do it well. I don't speak as nice as Pastor Tunde. 
I don't speak as eloquent as Pastor Tunde, even Pastor Tunde, even though Pastor Tunde doesn't speak any eloquently at all, from my point of view, at all. Eloquence is far from, my, from the way I speak. Amen. When I hear eloquence, I lay eloquence. But the power of the gospel is not in eloquence. Amen. No, it's not there. Kabaye. Thank you, Father. No, no, no. The power of God is not in eloquence. There are many eloquent speakers out there, void of the life of God. But what they, and what they give you is lust and feels. Emotionalism. Sentiment. They communicate. One of them is one of the popular guys in the state. Somebody says they're a very good communicator. And I know they're a good communicator. But they... they they say what you want to hear the way you want to hear it. And you hear them. And they bring their feud and their lust into your life. And they empower your carnality. And you say, well, anytime Pastor Soso and so speak, I just feel touched. What part of you is touched? Your spirit, your mind, or your flesh? Or your emotions? So one of the ways you get to know what, your, what the preacher is saying to you, how you judge the content, what they are saying to you, whether it's life or death. What they are saying to you, what direction is it gearing you towards? To Christ, to have a deeper, intimate relationship with God, to think, which will make your flesh feel uncomfortable, or to make you feel more cool. Like I said two weeks ago, that's why I will never wear ripped jeans to this church. Anything that will make you feel more cool. So in it, anything that will empower your flesh and your lust, I will not do it. Amen. If you're a young pastor watching me or listening to me, bear this in mind. You are not called to blend with the people in your church who are still growing. You are called to help them grow. You keep raising the standard of excellence, the standard of maturity the standard of godliness, the standard of righteousness, and keep challenging them and helping them to come up to that standard as opposed to lowering the standard and becoming like them. Praise the Lord. Don't compromise because you want a lot of young people and you know, a lot of people to flock into your church. Don't compromise on the assignment and the calling of God. If you do that, you open the door for the devil into your life, into your marriage, if you're married, and into the life of the young people. Don't compromise. Whatever stage your ministry is, God is still working on you. God is training you. God is developing you. And to a degree, sometimes, he allows people to come into your ministry to the degree to which you can handle it at that point in time. So God is working on you. So don't follow that older minister who may be giving you strategies and the tactics to, to bring in the flock, to, I mean, for people to flock in. Because if you want to be a true pastor, I can tell you, I've been doing this, I've been pastoring now for uh, going to three years now. I can tell you, the real pastoring is not a joke. It's not a walk in the park. The real pastoring is such that you see what's going on in the life of the people. And you build systems and meetings and things to help the people grow. And you watch them grow. You listen to them when they speak. It's not a walk in the park. So you need to grow and be mature to a point whereby you have the stamina to manage people. People can be funny. Amen. People can be funny. And this is not to speak low of people. People are coming from different backgrounds. They have different perspective, mindset, different things. People are coming with baggages. And you don't have any right to condemn them, but to help them to move from where they are now to where God wants them to be. 
This is not the job of a preacher or a teacher. Many teachers and preachers have become pastors. They are mouse crowd, but the life of the people is not balanced. Because they are not helping the people to experience on a daily life, which is the role of a pastor, the life of God and being able to live out a Christian life. So if your ministry is small, don't compromise. Amen. I hope I'm making any sense to anyone. No, I don't need to make sense to your head, but um, I, I believe your spirit is catching it. Praise the Lord. So all of that is to prepare us for hearing God. Hearing God in your heart. Before you can really, really hear God and see what God is saying about you and what God wants you to do, you got to learn to put God first. Psalm 37, verse 4. Psalm 37, Psalms 37, verse 4. Watch this. It said, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and it shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, what he, now the Bible is not saying here that, it's not, it's not saying that God will grant you the carnal needs, your carnal needs, your Gucci, your friend, whatever you want, all those carnal things. You know, that's not what this verse of the scripture is saying. You know, many people say things like, if you come to church, if you seek the Lord, it's going to meet your needs. So, delight yourself in the Lord. Do you know what that kind of delight is? That delight is fake. It's transactional. So, you are giving to God so that he can give you. Friends, I want to remind you, they don't print dollars in heaven. They don't print gold in heaven. They don't mine gold in heaven. They don't, many natural resources you find here, right, they are not in the spiritual realm. They are here on earth. Right? So when you are, when you are going to church and seeking God for the things he's blessed humanity with, you're not thinking in the right direction. You're not looking in the right direction. So, to delight in the Lord is not to go into a, there's uh, what we put it, performance-based relationship with God so that it can give you the carnal things of your heart. Then that God is not a pure God. I don't know, people seek different kind of gods. You know, there's God of the sun, there's God of the moon, there's God of all kind of God. So it depends on what God, and there's God of gold, I want to believe, you know, people just attribute one God to everything. I believe they'll be God of the grass because I was speaking to an Asian lady at some, at some point. She was saying that the God of the sun, the God of the rain, you know, so they were traveling one day. Uh, you know, she was telling me a story. They were traveling one day and there was this heavy, huge, heavy storm, right, that so that they could not see. They could not see as they were driving. And she said they had to pack and, and plead to the God of the rain. I was like, you must be joking. They had to plead to the God of the rain so that it, it, it can be less angry and the rain will... Um, the storm can be calm and so that they can drive. I'm like, so you guys believe this is a God of the rain. All right, that's no problem. So I don't know what God people are seeking, but I'm saying to you here that if you are truly delighted in the Lord, if you are seeking the will of God, if you are mindful of the will of the Lord, if you are asking the Lord, what would you have me do? If you are if you're seeking God for direction, if you are walking with the Father and having deep relationship with him, whereby you prioritize God in everything you do, if that's your daily life, if that is what you live for, watch this, your desires to start changing. Now, when you delight in the Lord, he begins to put his own desires in your heart. Hello? 
When you begin to truly and genuinely delight in the Lord, taking joy and pleasure in the Lord, wanting to see what God wants to see, not pursuing your own carnal needs, a carnal motive, your carnal intention, right? Not seeking your ungodly desires. When you lay your own desires aside and you want to see the kingdom of God manifested on earth, you realize that you start having more desires. Your desire for the things of the Father begins to increase and you begin to have visions and dreams to see the kingdom of God manifest in your area, in your marriage, in your community and whatever dreams and vision you have and whatever you want to do, whatever you want to pursue, you begin to receive inspiration and help to go in that direction. And as you stay on course with the Father, with God, He will begin to grant those things. He will begin to bring supply your way, bring people your way to help you, strengthen you to do what He has called you to do. That doesn't mean you will start off in whatever God is calling you to do. So, I mean, you, you start off on an excellent note. Not, it doesn't mean, that does not mean that you will get it right the first time. That's what I'm trying to say. It doesn't mean you will get it right the first time, but you will be on that path. Your heart will be going the direction of peace and joy. You begin to you will begin to head in the direction that God has in store for you, what He wants to do through you. You begin to fulfill purpose. So get that scripture right. Delight in the Lord. Seek God first. Put God first in everything you do. And you realize that you begin to have the right desires. You begin to dream, you begin to have visions, you, get, you begin to have inspirations to do the things that are really in the heart of the Father. And you see God stepping all the time, stepping all the time to help you. Mark chapter 16 verse 20 says that, and as, and as the apostles went, speaking the word of, went speaking the word of God, preaching the gospel, the Bible says, God was walking with them, confirming his word with signs following. So when you delight yourself in the Lord and you are out for the Father, not for your own will, God will confirm that he's one with you. He's one leading you. He's one guiding you. And our church is too young. And the number of times the devil has ministered to me, why don't you just close this thing up and you know what? God has helped you now. You know, that, you know what you want to do to be financially prosperous and to a degree and stuff like that. And I said, you know what, all those things that I know, they came as a result of giving myself to this. And my life today has been transformed to this degree because of this ministry. My messages, the messages I taught are the messages that transform my own life. So there's no other option. There's nothing else outside of this that I will do. Because the ministry of God, the ministry that God has committed to my hand, which I'm giving myself to increasingly more and more day by day, is what is changing my own life. So if the ministry God has given to me and the sermons he has taught through me are the ones changing my own life and has really, really changed my life, we, there's, no, there's no cause for, for negotiation. I will die in this. And trust me, guys, bigger things are coming beyond even the church. You know, one of the things that God has been talking to me, you know, and I've said I'm giving myself to this. There are few things in my life that I'm shutting down to give myself to this. I said to my wife, I said, I don't want to be more successful in the things of the world than I am in the things of the kingdom of God. I want to be much, much, much more successful and excellent, super excellent in what God has called me to do than I am 
in the things of the world. Because this is what he has called me to do. Putting him first. Bless you, friends. Uh, we'll continue next week. I'll try to wrap up on this note before Jolomi comes in uh, next week to speak. There's some more with you guys to, to share with, uh, uh, with you guys. Please meditate on those things. Uh, if you meditate on those things, you start learning to mind your business. Because you will be preoccupied with, folk, you're preoccupied with the things that God wants to do through you. You'll be prognosing to other people's matter, how they are running their church, whatever they are doing. We can make reference to them to say, you know what, this is not the best way to go about it, to help people. But I just don't concern myself with what people are doing out there. You know, people share vid- uh, videos, audio, things when one pastor did this, one pastor did that. I just don't pay attention. Because I don't have enough time to, to develop myself to do what I'm called to do. Myself and my wife, we are sitting, we are negotiating how I'm going to be spending much more time with that, spending enough time with that as my sofa is coming. Amen. I bought myself a reading chair yesterday because I'm going to be in that thing for five hours, six hours because I'm giving myself anything possible, anything possible that I must do, I will do to load myself, to equip myself to do this. And the same thing should apply to you too. Their calls I don't receive anymore. Their WhatsApp chats have left. Friend, this is real. This is real. This is, this is real life. Andrew Mark will say life is not a dress rehearsal. This is real life. This is the real thing. Now God will begin to fill your heart with what he has called you to do. And it's now left for you to give everything you need to give to it to ensure you live for that thing. Because that is what guarantees joy and peace in your heart. I worked so hard yesterday, you know, like I said, fixing videos and stuff like for the church and stuff like that for like eight hours. Even more. I started around like kind of nine, after nine, I didn't finish until around kind of eight in the evening. I had two calls uh, in the middle, attended the meetings along the line, you know. But when I finished, it, was, it felt like the, happy, the best Saturday I've had this year. I listened to my own messages like four times. The five weeks messages that I've taught, I listened to them over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Correcting myself, your grammar is not correct there. Okay, you say better this way. You didn't finish that statement there. Finish it here, blah, 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 kind of thing. I'm giving myself to this. So as the Lord begins to fill your heart with his own desire, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to pause here because I'll take it off from there next week. But next thing I'm going to say will take us another 10, 15 minutes. Amen. Normally I'll see you guys were generous, but today I'm talking to your heart. Let's wake up. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for your word that's come to us this morning.